0: This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hugan. Over the next two broadcasts, we'll be considering three calls that God gives us to reach the lost with his gospel by the way that we live before people and what we say to people. This is a part of our search for the proper motivation in life for how we serve our God. In our last broadcast, we found comfort that God is going to burn away all that we did for him that was done with the wrong motivation. This means we don't have to stand around waiting to figure out if we're serving God for the right reasons— We can just get busy serving. Still, still, let us do as much as we can to minimize what burns away of our lives and maximize what remains that God can delight in by finding the highest motives for serving Him and serving others. Having said all that, as much as possible, I want to have the right motivation I wanna latch into the right motivation because I'd like as little to burn away as possible. It's still gonna be a lot, I'm pretty sure. But I'd like as little to burn away as possible and I'd like as much gold, silver, and precious stone as possible to be stored up for myself. Not only that, I need the right motivation because serving God is difficult and hard. Living life is hard. But when you wanna live the life for the Lord Jesus, it's harder. And in order to endure and continue on and run the race to finish it, I know I need, you know, I know you need the right motivation. Many of you are starting out your Christian life, you're young families, you've got young children, you've got all kinds of high ideals about what's going to happen, and you're going to discover that Satan is going to come out, not only you, but he's going to come out of your children. There are people that you've looked up to that you've admired and somehow they've been a source of inspiration for you and you're gonna discover over time that there's some grave disappointments you're gonna discover in their life and there are gonna be challenges. You still gotta endure and you gotta run the race. For that you'll need a great a binding and holding motivation. What I want to do this morning is I want to give you a motivation. We read in Hebrews chapter 12 two, the thing that brought the Lord Jesus all to the end of his service so at the very end of it he could say that I finished the race. He could cry out, it is finished, it's done, I've completed everything that the Father has given me to do here on earth and what allowed Jesus Christ to finish the race so wonderfully was he had the right motivation and we're told that the motivation was for the joy that was set before him. But let me share with you one other thing that is proved to be the other thing that has proved to be the most lasting motivation in my life, and I commend it to you, a motivation to bring others to the Savior by everything we say and do, and it's the motivation of the, you can write it down, it's the motivation of the call. It's the motivation of the call. I think that we have to have such a compelling sense of God's call upon our lives and we have to be so willing to answer it and know that it's come from the all-powerful God that in a sense we feel like we have a tiger by the tail. And there's one thing you got to know when you've got a tiger by the tail. It's not safe to let go of it, right? You've got to hang on to it and take it where it leads you. And you've got to know that there's something robust and powerful and not just something you can domesticate but something wild, that you've answered to and that's claimed you, and I think I think it's the call of God upon our lives. And we hold on to it and can't let go of it. I also would just say to you, and I think you'll see this when we come to the end, that the call that God sends to us is crystallized in a sense of clarity as never before in the cross of Jesus Christ. So let me share with you what I see as, and I believe I've shared this before, three calls that God has given us, to be totally committed to the race of answering the faith mission of reaching lost, unsaved people with the message of God's saving work in Jesus Christ. A call, a call that God has given us that I think comes from above us, a call that God has given to us that I think comes from all around us, a call that God has given to us that I think that comes from beneath us. And if you're only sensitive and you ask God to reveal this to you, you'll hear it. the first call is the call that comes from above us and it's found in Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. We read it in our scripture reading. Isaiah has a vision of God high and lifted up in the temple that is above all of creation and in this temple he sees the seraphim worshiping him unceasingly flying about with two wings and covering their eyes with two wings and covering their feet with two wings and the Angels cry out what it is that they're seeing or what it is that they're sensing in the presence of God and what they cry out is not love, 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 kind, 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 patient, patient, patient. They cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. They're calling out, he's other, he's other, he's totally other than anything else. Overwhelmed with the holiness of God, sensing and being in his presence, Isaiah sees his own sin, the the great disparity between himself and this holy God. And Isaiah cries out, I'm undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Basically what he's saying, he's not only seeing his lips, he's seeing his heart, because the Bible says, out of the heart a person speaks, and he's saying, I'm full of uncleanness. The angels come to him and it says they bring a coal from the altar, The coals from the altar were, if we understand the way God's program of salvation was revealed in the Old Testament, were coals that were saturated with the blood of the sacrifice that was made on the altar, and then they were burnt and burning. They were brought into the presence of God to offer up prayers on behalf of the people that represents for us Jesus Christ, who has died for our sins, though he was without sin and he's bled and he shed his blood for us. And it's brought up before God, to extend before God as an argument and a prayer on our behalf. And those coals are taken by the angels, and they touch the lip of Isaiah, and it says, you're made clean. Jesus comes, and as we believe in Him and trust in Him, He cleans us. He not only cleans our mouths. How does He clean our mouths? He cleans our hearts. He makes us new, and He cleans us, makes us clean, cleanses us. In the sight of God, Isaiah hears the Lord calling out, saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah, having been cleansed, cries out, Here I am, send me. This is the call from heaven. This is the call that comes from the holy God. And it's a call that comes and is heard by those who are worshiping God, who have met God, and experiencing God, and are in agreement to bow before Him and worship Him. John Piper has written a book called Let the Nations Be Glad, The Supremacy of God and Missions. And it's an important contribution of the study of what motivates our pursuit of bringing people to Christ around the world, and it's a study in light of this particular call. And the theme of the book is that missions exist. The mission to reach lost people exists, because worship doesn't. Piper states that the ultimate goal of God and missions is that men and women may delight in all that He is. God is pursuing worshipers and people who will worship Him in spirit and truth from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. That's what God wants from us as well and from you. And Piper suggests that worship is not only the purpose of missions, but that in some way it is the fuel of missions as well, for a person cannot commend to others, can't call others to what he does not cherish himself. And so the one who is really given to missions and to reaching the lost and calling them to worship God and delight in God is the person who worships God and delights in Him. And out of that delight and worship of God, he longs to see other people come. He hears God saying, who will go for me and who will I send? And he says, oh, here am I. Send me. We've just gone through about 20 years of what called worship wars in the church in which people were trying to sort out the right way to have their community worship and the right style of music, etc., etc. There have been whole ways of perfecting it. As never before in the history of church, massive seminars conducted on how to conduct the right kind of worship and what worship can do for your church. And I would just say this, that the way to evaluate whether worship had been taking place in our community would be on the basis of whether that community has generated from it an active response of the call of God to reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. You want to take a measure of your worship, how passionate are you about having other people come and bring their worship to Jesus too? How much does that motivate you? How passionate the church is about worship will be reflected in their pursuit, their passionate pursuit to reach lost people everywhere and in every place for God. This is our race. It's what we're running for. Let's look at another call. The second call is from all around us, and it's the call of man. It's found in Acts chapter 16. Take your Bibles and turn there. It's a call that God gives us from all around us, and it's the call of man. And it's found in Acts chapter 16, and I want to read to you verses six through ten. The story here is of Paul. He's with his entourage of individuals who are going with him. We can tell from the text that one of those that's going with him is Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, and they're trying to press further and further into Asia with the gospel, but for whatever reasons they're being resisted. Maybe they're not finding anyone who is responsive to it. They're not finding the person of peace that will receive them. And so they're continuing meeting resistance. They begin to understand that this is the spirit of God that's not opening a way for them. And so they've moved from one place to the next place to the next place, trying to find an opening within a community where they can bring the good news of Jesus Christ and the proclamation of his life as saving work. And they're being resisted. And so they've come to a halt. They've been working and they've been laboring. And now this is what we read in verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, and they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the Gospel to them. This is the call of man, and it's the call of earth, and it's a call that comes and is heard by those who are working to serve the Lord Jesus in the world in which they live and are pressing the boundaries of their life and the outer reaches of their life to see if they can gain more territory for Christ and make a greater impact in more and more places. And as they're working and as they're laboring and as they're giving themselves to serve the Lord in this way, the Lord sends out a call to them and they hear the cry of man saying, come over here and help us. I have in my office... I don't have it hanging right now, but for a number of years I had hanging in my office an old Sunday school print that was probably printed in the 1920s. It's a picture of Paul laying on a couch, and before him is this erythral, ghost-like figure of a man, and he's standing over the couch that Paul is reclining on, and his hands are outstretched, and they're opened up wide, and it says underneath it, "'Come over and help us.'" Paul and Luke answered that call. They went to Macedonia... And that's where the gospel got its beachhead in Europe. And from there, the gospel spread through Europe. When they got there and they found the Macedonian man, they found a woman named Lydia holding a Bible study. And her and all those that were connected with her responded to the gospel and they believed. And then they found a Philippian jailer when they were thrown in jail for doing that. That Philippian jailer and his household believed and the gospel took root in Europe in answering that call Thank you for joining us today at the Bread of Life, the radio ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. It's our delight to share with you a morsel from our weekly time in God's Word. If you'd like a copy of this message, call us at 208-331-4096 or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn more. Until the next time, God bless you.